UFOs, Bigfoot, paranormal input. Go ahead now, get mystical. Mystery and magical. UFOs, not typical. Bigfoot, not typical. You ask me why I'm skeptical. I say questions are questionable. Is the truth alien to you? Alien to get my message through. Aliens might message you. Aliens are sliding through. The wild signal we're plotting to. Algorithms they find is true. Typical. Skeptic. Shut Got no time for no petty germs, pandemic, a pandemic turn, horror still in Amityville, Bayonet in Gettysburg, Mothman, TNT, Factory, Red Eyes, Loki, Dogman, Howling in the Street, I'm typically skeptic of what I see, Voodoo Hoodoo in New Orleans, Thunderbird, Swamp Thing, is it real, I was wondering, typical, skeptic, show, typical, skeptic, show. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Typical Skeptic Podcast. I have a familiar face back with me, my good friend, Jim Gerard. Um, I think this is maybe the 12th show that we've done together. I love having Jim on the show. He's a really good friend. And if you don't know Jim, you have to, if you watch my show, you have to know who Jim is by now. Um, we've kind of put each other on the map. Like, you know, like Jim's been gracious enough to be a guest on my show a lot of times to give me exposure and I put him on my platform to give him exposure. So we've had a really good friendship in that way. And who Jim is, is he's an author. Um, a little bit about Jim. He was the first person to give Steve Gibbs the idea about the time machine. Um, Art Bell, he, it gets credited in an old art episode of Art Bell. Jim's an author. He's the author of the books Dice Code Divination. And he's also the author of the book um, The Matrix is the Reset or The Matrix is the Glitch. And today we have a really interesting show. We're going to be talking about um, parallel realities. Um, Dr. Joseph Farrell's Giza Pyramid Weapon uh, and his Dark Journalist interview, which I want to talk about Dark Journalist anyway. He comes up with some really good stuff. And then the Collective Memory Giza Pyramid Mandela Effect connection. And then Jim wrote up another thing about uh, drawbacks and linear thinking about like CERN and the Hadron Collider. So, Jim, uh, uh, thank you for coming back on. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me on again. Okay, so where did you want, before I start reading this stuff, like, give us like an overview of what we're about to go over. Uh, I want to talk about the uh, Giza Pyramid that Dr. Farrell talks about a dark journalist. Uh, and he kind of describes the, um, the shape and size and says that the Giza Pyramid is a machine. And then he goes on to say that the Giza Pyramid is also a weapon. Yeah, he, he said that in his uh, Leak Project interview as well. He was on Leak Project with Rex, and he talked about that as well. I, I, I'm, I, I'm going to share the screen so because I don't know a lot about this subject. Like I'm gonna, um, uh, what, what did Dark Journalist have to say about it? What did he think? Well, Dark Journalist is the one that was conducting the interview and asking questions and stuff. And Dr. Farrell was the one that was really, you know, sort of, carrying on with the dialogue. Well, because uh, I was going to say, a lot of times, dark journalist tends to be a little bit more skeptical, I think, right? I don't know if he's skeptical, but he's definitely uh, into, like, asking a lot of questions. Yeah, yeah. So here's what we're going to be sharing today, guys. Uh, break on through to the other side of Parallel Realities, Dr. Joseph Farrell, Giza Pyramid Weapon, Dark Journalist Interview, Collective Memory 
Giza Pyramid Mandela effect connection. So it says realities can be verified either on the dream state or in the wake state, just as long as there's a direct experience to back it up. The veil is so thin that oftentimes you wake up in a dream having thought that the dream was just as real as the awake state. That happens to me all the time. In this particular dream that just happened recently, I was carrying an object that I needed to deliver to the other side. As we were walking along, I was telling her, who were you? You said you were telling her. Who, who are you? Who is her? I don't know. Oh, you were telling someone that was in your dream. Yeah, just I don't know who she was. Yeah. Isn't that weird, though? Like, that's why I think these are parallel realities, because like um, in, in this life, we don't know who they are. But in the dream, we know who they are. It's almost like we're living and existing in that reality. Does that make sense or no? Uh, in the dream, if you don't know who the person is, you might find out a day or two later. Yeah, I, I, it really. Do you think, or uh, you mean like in yeah. this life, you might find out the yeah. or do you think you'll find out in your dream? Uh, I've seen this thing happen hundreds of times. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm fully convinced that that the uh, that I'm, I'm a hundred percent convinced that that that. Um, the dream world is another parallel reality. I really, truly believe that. What do you think? Uh, I'm not sure which reality is real, the dream state or the awake state. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I'll keep reading. It says, as you were walking along with this woman and, and into another parallel reality and spent a week there and then returned to this original timeline. You kept encountering roadblocks and difficulties similar to the idea of an obstacle course in boot camp. The last and final obstacle was having to get through railroad tracks that were laced in electrified barbed wire. After squeezing through at the end of the dream, I woke up and realized that you, I can succeed in a dream state, that I can also succeed in the same way in an awake state. Well, does that mean you were kind of just having a lucid dream? Yeah, I think it was uh, at least somewhat lucid. So it wasn't an out-of-body experience. It was like a, well, it was probably a parallel reality, you know? I think they're all connected. I think the Mandela effect, parallel realities, lucid dreaming, it's all connected. It's all different forms of consciousness that we can kind of jump into. What would you say to that? Yeah, they're all different aspects of consciousness. Yeah, it's interesting, though. Um, and then I'll keep reading. It says uh, in 1960s, Twilight Zone parallel reality gives you a rough idea about what the Mandela effect became a solid reality aired sometime between 1960 and 1963. The astronaut asked the question, who is the president of the United States? He then gives the answer because they did not answer and says Kennedy, the veil between parallel two parallel realities back then was fluid fluctuating oscillation through which one could be in one reality for a time then return to the one's original timeline where everything is normal alignment. What do you mean by that, Jim? Can you break it down in layman's terms? Yeah, uh, you know, in 1960s, the Mandela effect didn't exist. Yeah, that's 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 interesting, right? It seems like like the uh, I never no one's ever really brought this up, but I just thought of this. Now it seems like the Mandela effect came around when the internet came around. I wonder if the Mandela and, and nobody ever talks about this. I wonder if the Mandela effect has something in a weird way to do with the internet or or, or consciousness or I, I don't know why I'm trying to pull that thought together because I I didn't do any 
um, I kind of wanted to just kind of be off the cusp for this interview. I didn't really prepare. I, I'm just kind of thinking off the top of my head, like, isn't that weird though? Like it was kind of right around the internet time that we saw man. like nobody ever heard of the Mandela effect before the internet, you know, it was kind of around, around the art bell days. I, I could probably, uh, re I remember the exact show when art bell actually talked about it. It was, um, 2001 art bell interviewed a woman her name was morgan and she came on to talk about the shadow people but as she was talking about the shadow people she brought up about the fact that she that about nelson the nelson mandela thing and i think that was right around the time when the mandela effect was born around 2001 it was something to do with the art bell show the internet um what, what do you think they started talking about the mandela effect after 9-11 so yeah, 2001, right around there. That's yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Right around that time. Yeah. And th that's right around, you know, it's interesting that you said that that's right around that time that that episode was with Art Bell. You, people can go back and listen to it. It's, I can't remember her name. Um, her name is Morgan something. She's a British gal. And uh, she, she was talking about the shadow people and um that it, I think somehow those things might be related too. I think that the shadow people could possibly be a reflection of our consciousness or the someone else's consciousness reflecting into our timeline, like a remote viewer. And I've said this in other shows or like possibly like someone using witchcraft, looking into your timeline, you know, it's all things that we can do with our consciousness. What, what do you think? Uh, th there was a lady by the name of uh, either a broom or bloom that was, she was the first person to make a website about the Mandela effect, but it was actually Starfire Tour that started it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I, I remember and that was, a, that goes back to the Art Bell show too. She came on her first time she was on, she, well, that, that I know of, she was on um, Art Bell with Whitley Strieber. She came on to talk about like time slips and she, uh, she she I like Starfire Tour a lot. I think she has some really good theories. I'll keep going on. Uh, okay, so where were we here? Um, the okay, I'll, I'll go back and read this again. Where where we were? It says the veil between two parallel realities back then was fluid, fluctuating oscillation through which one could be in one reality for a time, then return to one's original timeline where everything is normal alignment. The astronaut spends an entire week with his wife and daughter, but they don't think. He is the real husband and father. He scours through encyclopedias, finding discrepancies in historical records, different names, different dates, and different events. The fluctuating veil between two realities reverses, and he returns to his original timeline where everything is in normal alignment, and his wife and daughter recognize him as the real husband and father. This is really an important episode of The Twilight Zone in a sense because that happens before the Mandela effect goes into full swing. Presently in the 21st century, the veil between the two parallel realities is no longer fluid and fluctuating, but now is in a state where the two parallel realities are frozen together, running side by side on one timeline. One person remembers mirror, mirror on the wall, and someone else remembers magic mirror on the wall. Recently, Benjamin Fulford stated that after Nelson Mandela died in jail, that a lookalike reemerged some years later and became president of a South, a South Africa. This revelation could completely alter the way the Mandela effect is perceived and understood. So well, just to summarize, what do you think about that, what you had written there? Well, that, this is the first time I had heard anybody say that uh, the, the second 
uh, Nelson Mandela was a lookalike. But what, what do they mean a second Nelson Mandela? Well, the, according to what Benjamin Fulford was saying was that the, the real Nelson Mandela died in jail and then a lookalike emerged some years later and got elected as the president of South Africa. Is that why, do you think that, so do you think, um, did you, so do you think it was an accident that the Mandela effect was spawned from that? Or do you think that like, that the that, that was gonna be the example of the set for the Mandela effect? It, it's really hard to say because, uh, you know, why would somebody do that? You know, take a lookalike and put him out there and get him elected as president of South Africa. Well, I mean, they 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 say I've heard someone say that 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 uh, that the the that that we didn't catch the real Saddam either. You know, I heard that 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 Saddam they found in Iraq was a body double, but there's never been any proof that the real one escaped. But I heard that I heard a lot of these presidents have body doubles that they use, like famous figures and presidents. They have maybe clones. This can get into cloning, and we know cloning's real, right? So I mean, why would I mean, if these people have connections to high places, which we know they do because they're running whole countries, why could they not have clones of themselves? You know, like at, uh, uh, Saddam Hussein thought that uh, Enki was real. Like he thought, I mean, like he really believed in the Anunnaki. He had Enki on their dollar bill. Well, it wasn't a dollar bill. It was like the dinar, but he still had an Anunnaki figure on. And he believed he was trying to restore the old Babylon. He thought something was going on there, and that leads like, me to believe that there might have been a Stargate there, and that's why we went there to to get a Stargate. But I mean, that's kind of going off of what I originally said. Do you think that these people could have clones? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. They're definitely using clones. Yeah, it's interesting, right? It's it's definitely uh, it's definitely interesting. So. Um, what do you think this could mean about the way we perceive the Mandela effect? And what do you think the Mandela effect means to us or how we should we perceive it? Well, um, that's why I, I wanted to send you these uh, talking points about the, uh, the Giza pyramid because the Mandela effect has everything to do with memory. And it, it seems to me like the, uh, the Giza pyramid is the, the epic center for collective memory because over the years, you know, the dozens of people that I've taught the dice method to, they all seem to have ancient past life memories in Egypt. That's weird. A lot of us do. You know, like I, I have memories in Egypt, or, or I think even I go back to like Sumeria, or, you know, I think, I mean, like, because I have a real strong connection to the Anunnaki. So I've always thought, but like, I'm somewhere in that Middle East area, I think with past lives, I think a lot of us do. And I think a lot of us have past lives that go back even to Atlantis, you know? Yeah, I, I can't think of a single person that I either taught the dice method to or, or did readings for that, that didn't have past life memories of being in Egypt. Yeah. That's interesting. That's that's it's really interesting. It makes me think that like a lot of us that were in that time of Egypt came back to this time for a specific person purpose. And I was it's interesting we said that is because I was just talking to uh Aloha Pink Bell or Pink Bell Aloha about um 
what's going on with humanity that we're like evolving into something new, like something everybody's waking up to their psychic abilities, consciousness expanding, like something's definitely going on. I don't know if I believe the new age shit that they say that we're moving to the fifth dimension, but I definitely believe that it's a consciousness expansion. Psychic abilities are waking up. People are becoming more pro or more um, awake to this stuff. Would you agree to that? Well, yeah, if you look at the sun, uh, I remember it, you know, years ago being more like a yellowish color, but now it's it's a very, very bright white color. And, uh, you know, just not too long ago, it was only about, I don't know, 65 degrees out, which isn't very hot at all, but it felt like the, the sunlight was burning my skin. Yeah, but it's weird because it's like it's cold too. It's like it's like the sun will feel like it'll burn your skin, but it's fucking cold here in the East Coast. I don't know if it, it was like out in Boston, but like here in Pittsburgh today, I went out to uh I ended up buying a pack of cigarettes. I bought a pack of American spirits and I know I shouldn't have, but like I was like I, I just like I'm trying to lose weight and I was like, uh so I, I went out this morning to smoke a cigarette and uh uh, like what what happened was is it that exact thing happened it was it was freezing here it was like it was already 11 o'clock in the morning you would think for may 25th that it would be a little bit warmer it was like 45 degrees at 11 a.m but the sun was burning it, like the sun was like burning did that ever happen to you before it, it's been happening for several weeks now like the, the sun you know during the day is, is really really warm even high you know, at some point, but the air is like freezing. What is that? I, I don't know what that is. What do you think that is? I, I don't know. I, I don't remember uh, having these kind of experiences years ago. Oh, no, no. Years ago, like I remember when I grew up like in the 80s, like it, it, it would be like around this time of year, it would already be like 80 degrees, like, and then in summers, it would get warm and it would get and now like in summers here on the East Coast, you can't even it almost makes me worry if we're going into a, like a mini ice age because like when on the summers here on the East coast, now you have to, you, you like, it used to be so hot in the summers in the past at night. Now it gets cold at night. That's weird. Right. Well, here in Massachusetts, like I remember, you know, a long time ago, uh, probably in the 1950s, uh, we used to get rain, like almost like monsoon rain. And then when the uh, 70s and 80s and 90s came around, every, every single summer was like how they got any rain at all, like drought. And now for the past five or six years, it's been raining like crazy during the summer. Yeah, yeah, it, it just does that here too. It rains all the time. I don't know what it is. Like it's becoming, it's starting to become like more unbearable to live in because it's if it's not raining, it's cold and or it's overcast or it's like it's I don't I don't know what's up. I don't know. I mean, do you, but do you do, okay? So this makes me think about like what is going on with like global warming? Why do they say we're going through global warming if it's getting colder? I don't understand this whole climate thing because, uh, you know. It doesn't make sense to me, like global warming. But those are two words that don't belong together. Yeah, I would say, if anything, it's global cooling or it's getting 
like somewhat colder. It seems to be that way. It seems to be like, it seems to be like, like, like it's definitely getting colder. Like, I don't, I don't, I, that's when, that's just kind of my observation as to what, you know, I, I but uh, sorry, I kind of got off track there, I, but it's interesting it's interesting to talk about because I'm glad other people are noticing it. Like that we're not the only ones. Cause like other people have told me this too, you know, like, um, but anyway, so the next topic that you wanted to cover was Dr. Joseph Farrell, Giza pyramid interview on dark journalist. And also, as I said, um, you guys can go check out um, Dr. Joseph Farrell's interview on leak project with Rex. I, I like Rex. He does good interviews too. He, he talked about the same thing on there. I didn't see the dark journalist interview yet. I'm going to probably watch it after this, but uh, I'm going to read what Jim wrote here. It says, I believe that the Giza pyramid is the epicenter of collective memory and is directly tied to the unraveling of the Mandela effect and the fulfillment of prophecy. Starting around 2012, I began noticing a pattern which all individuals that I either taught the dice method or did readings for each of them seemed to have, or perhaps did memories of past ancient lives in the Egyptian dynasty period. Thinking back, I don't recall any of them not having ancient memories from that time period. When you hear the dialogue of Dr. Joseph Farrell on Dark Journalist, one of his talking points is that the Giza pyramid is our harmonic library of all of records. And that's just one of its energetic signatures. The main idea being put forth is that the Giza pyramid is not only a machine, but it's actually a weapon, but not a conventional weapon that aims at a target and then fires a missile. The idea is that the pyramid is a machine with a conclusion drawn by an architectural expert who examined the size, width, and depth in mathematical terms and has formed his conclusion. There is no doubt whatsoever that the pyramid is a machine and that the other conclusion is the, the idea is that the pyramid could have been used as a weapon, a weapon that tunes into the target in harmonic sense rather than aiming at the target and firing a weapon in hopes that hits the target. A harmonic weapon has the ability to send a destructive effect through time and space anywhere in the universe. Dr. Farrell goes on to describe the 27 artifacts that once ex existed inside one of the chambers of the pyramid. 27 artifacts that act as the engine that activates and energizes the pyramid functions. Okay, so I, I want to break this down, like everything that you kind of just said in here. We already kind of talked about the fact that the people that you were doing dice message for all had memories in Egypt, but what, what, what do you think is going on with the pyramid? Because it, it's not, I don't think it's a, it's a, it's a um, coincidence that the, um, that the pyramid is aligned to the, the stars, you know, there's something to that. I don't know what it is, but what do you, what do you think? Uh, it was aligned with Orion. Uh, uh, maybe 12,500 years ago, but it's it's not aligned to it now. Yeah. Okay. And then this makes me think, like, did they cover this in the Dark Journalist interview? What are the functions of the other pyramids? Because there's pyramids all over the world. I wonder what Farrell thinks about like the Romanian pyramid or the, uh, the or um, uh, El Cucucan or Chichen Itza. You know, does he think those were weapons as well? Or what, does, what is, does he just think it's just the Great Pyramid of Giza? He hasn't made any comments about the other pyramids, but uh, I'm kind of wondering, I, I might have even heard this somewhere at some point, is that the um, all the pyramids around the world are connected through underground tunnels. That makes sense. And and do you think that there could be like an underground civilization under there, like accessing those tunnels? Or do you think that's something that they made for people when the cataclysm comes? 
I think it's both. Oh, okay. So do you think there's people actually or beings living under there? Uh, oh, yeah, definitely. I, I think I might have got the idea from uh, hearing about the, the underground tunnels starting from underneath the Vatican. That's cool. That's interesting. Yeah, because they definitely have something like that. And then they, they talk about stuff all over the place. Like um, there's the Getty. You, I don't know if you watched my interview with Stephen Kelly. He talks about what's underneath the Getty. Um, there's the Denver airport. There's all these places where there's supposed there's um, uh, uh, Dulce, which is a base, but I'm sure there's stuff underneath there. Um, I'm trying to think of where else would be an underground place. Um, that's i mean what do you think like do you do you think all those places are connected as well uh i don't know if they're all connected but they, there's definitely uh underground tunnels and underground cities yeah it's just the the, the uh the purpose so back back to this um what what do you what are your thoughts on what Dr. Joseph Farrell says about the pyramid being a weapon and how would it work as like a harmonic weapon as compared to like a weapon that fires a missile? What does he what do you mean by this? Uh, what he's saying is that uh, like for example, uh, a harmonic is a um, like a, like on a radio, uh, if you're tuning into 107, if you move the dial like like an inch to the left or the right, you, you get the same channel that you get the same radio station on a different number, which is called a, a harmonic. Yeah, that's interesting. So, but what he's saying is that when, when the uh, Egyptian pyramid was used as a weapon, it was not a linear weapon, you know, like a gun, which has a bullet in it. And you, you know, you aim it at someone and you fire and, and hope that the bullet hits its mark. It's it's not a linear weapon. It's it's a harmonic. So in other words, the, the Giza pyramid tunes in to the target, and that target could be anywhere in the universe at any time. Do you do you agree that um, do you agree with what Sitchin wrote about the pyramid wars? Like I have the wars of gods and men here, and it seems like like Sitchin was saying that the that the Anunnaki were fighting over pyramid wars, like that you know, like and it even went into like the Egyptian stuff, like Set and Osiris, like he had them involved, and Abraham was they were all involved in this. Like Abraham was actually supposedly a general for Enlil. And that, you know, like, you know, like, so Abraham wasn't like some religious person. He was actually a, a battle general. This is what Sitchin writes. And I know Sitchin's highly criticized and he did get some stuff wrong, but some stuff he provides sources for. And I don't want to just sweep that under the carpet. I think there might be some validity to what he talks about. Maybe there were pyramid wars and maybe it was used a weapon and like what is i know Farrell talks about that too I, I know he talked about it in his leak project interview he thinks highly of sitchin i i think yeah i really don't know enough about it to comment okay okay well i mean like i know i know like i said he took oh i got something in my eye he talked about that but um in here you 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 highlighted five things before we move on to the next thing you wrote return of the star gods inner earth civilizations return to surface Five major time cycles come to an end. Space arcs are reactivated. Giants kept in stasis are revived and woken up. Did you want to comment on any of that? Yeah, the idea I want to sort of put forth here, 
kind of in the form of speculation is that, um, you know, as as the talking points continue about Terry Cassidy is saying that uh, we only have 10% of the knowledge that about Egypt that exists. And so, you know, what I was thinking was that uh, there, there must be someone out there that has knowledge about the 27 artifacts that uh, are the engine part of the Giza pyramid. Yeah, well, it might have gotten lost because, you know, we've had so many cataclysms over time. This might have been, I mean, like, you never know, like the great, the great pyramid could have gotten hit. It could have been a fully technologically functioning weapon or like, or, or a, a fully functioning thing. Like, but then with cataclysms, it got maybe taken out. And that's why it is, it's so barren inside of it now. Like if you look inside the great pyramid now, it just looks like there's nothing in it. I mean, there's chambers, you know, but there's nothing in it that, that really does anything. You know, there's like some tombs. I mean, all the Kings are buried at the Valley of the Kings up the road. None of the, none of the, none of the Pharaohs are buried at the, the at the, at the, uh, at the pyramid. So the, the, the fact that they say that that was, that, that, you know, that that was Khufu's pyramid, that's all bullshit. That's, that's like, ain't, that's like mainstream Egyptology bullshit. All those pharaohs are buried up the road at the Valley of the Kings. That's why they call it the Valley. You probably know that the Valley of the Kings, but like, what are your thoughts on that? It's been a lot of stuff made up and passed on and, you know, people accepted it because they, they thought that these were, scholars that knew what they were talking about. But uh, the, the thing I wanted to bring up here is that uh, during the time of Atlantis, when the Giza pyramid was active, uh, that the population in general uh, was not spiritually degraded like they are now. And they were basically, um, you know, a very virtue sort of oriented, like they, they had, you know, a sense of kindness and they were empathetic and uh, they had a lot of compassion and they were really spiritually evolved and that's the reason why the, the, the pyramids were active at that time is because of the consciousness of the people but uh, you know the idea of the pyramids becoming activated once again today is just not possible. Yeah, I'll, I'll read what she wrote here. It says, uh, in a recent interview with Carrie Cassidy, she points out that something that most people have no clue about, the amount of knowledge that the world is as, as to access in regards to the Egyptian phenomena is only 10% and 90% is still hidden and undiscovered. The burning question that comes to mind here is that whether or not that 90% of knowledge that might include the 27 artifacts or perhaps the whereabouts of the 27 artifacts it only makes sense that from a speculation perspective that the reactivation of the Giza pyramid could be a real possibility considering all other coinciding events all happening at the same moment in history. Return of the gods, inner earth beings returning to the surface, five major time cycles coming to an end, space arcs being reactivated, and the giants waking up from thousands of years of stasis. If you consider the fact that the Giza pyramid seems to be, in my view, according to the pattern I see happening, that the Giza pyramid is for some reason the very epicenter of the collective memory, which ties directly into the Mandela effect that has everything to do with memory in every way imaginable. Try and imagine the implications of the discovery and location of the 27 artifacts and that the possibility of the Giza pyramid is being reactivated and going back online at this time. 
Another thing Dr. Joseph Farrell said, it caught my attention was that he said about the knowledge that is now being discovered taking four to six decades to be fully embraced by the collective. In 2012, I did a reading and addressed the, to my future self. The message in the reading was from the year 2065. I It said in the year 2065, humanity fully embraced Egyptian philosophy. 42 years in the future, right in line with Dr. Farrell's speculation. Did you want to talk about that? Uh, uh, it, it is, you know, what a, what you just read about the, uh, the reading where I... I asked the question to my future self. And the answer I got was, you know, from the year 2065, which said that humanity in general had adopted Egyptian philosophy. Yeah, I mean, like, well, I think to some, I think the more that humanity wakes up now, the more they're embracing that now. But the, the question still remains like, how much can we actually embrace? Because how much of it is lost, you know, and it will never recover, you know? Yeah, it, it all has to do with memory. Oh, so you think this is stuff that we can bring back, like that's in our, that's in the Akashic record somewhere? Yeah, it, it, it all, you know, uh, reality is, is, is uh, the foundation of reality is memory. Yeah. But how do you know, like, what's a real memory and what's something that our mind's making up? Well, uh, I, I think you'd have to develop a, a gift of discernment. Yeah. Yeah. And take what resonates with you, right? Yeah. I mean, sometimes you can tell, sometimes you can't. But, uh, you know, you probably had the, uh, these dreams where it, it seems so real to you that by the time you woke up, you know, you realized it was just a dream. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, but it's not a dream though. Like we talked about, it's more, it's more of like another reality that you're probably experiencing, but you think it's a dream, but sometimes that dream can be more real than this. I, I tend to think that all, all of the aspects of uh, consciousness is really, it's all just one experience but they, it seems different. Like a dream seems different than a trance, and a trance seems different than the awake state and hypnosis and so on and so on. Yeah, yeah. I'll keep um, the next thing you wrote, and uh, the last thing we're going to be touching on here today is let me see here. This is a, two pages. It's uh, drawbacks of linear thinking. It says, Rather than examining the topics and issues at hand, consider the drawbacks of linear thinking, which may be in some sort of static one-dimensional state. Let's say, for example, it were true that CERN Hadron Collider was the technical wonder of technology that could catapult ordinary human scientists to a godlike status, where they could create a Mandela effect by tweaking certain details and then flick a switch of history and recreate the material universe according to the way they want the destiny of the human race to turn out. If such an event actually did happen, it could be, must have taken place in the millionth of a second and fractions so small that human awareness is incapable of knowing what happened. This brings in an interesting burning question based on the speculation, but interesting enough to discuss it in the form of dialogue. What if the process of maintaining the physical material matrix were comparable to that of a flickering strobe light on and off? happening a million times a second so fast that we could never become aware of the process. If this was the case and was actually happening that way, 
there would have to be some reason why the human awareness is not designed by nature to have access to any level of controlling the process. This idea creates some sort of paradox in the realms of thinking because if someone can imagine the inconceivable, then the inconceivable is not really inconceivable, but all just happening, it just seems to me impossible and beyond the reach of comprehension. So what did you mean by that, if you break it down in layman's terms? Okay, uh, what I understood about the, uh, the CERN Hadron Collider was that when they flicked the switch and they destroyed the universe and then rebooted it and then got the Mandela effect, that it, it happened within a millionth of a second. So if that was the case, a millionth of a second isn't long enough for you to uh, have an experience or have any knowledge that it happened because a millionth of a second isn't long enough. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay, um, the, the other thing is that according to the, the Vedic scriptures, the, the, the length of years of the material universe is 14 trillion years. What does that mean, though? Like, what is that? What are you, like, what are you trying at to do? The, at the end of 14 trillion years, Lord Shiva does his dance and he bangs his drum and he ignites the fires of annihilation and he destroys the universe. Why would he want to do that, though? Because the universe is temporary. Oh, okay. So is this because it's like the, the creator wants to experience it and then he would just not want to experience it anymore? Experience, have like consciousness experiencing itself? Yes. And we're just like extensions of consciousness and we're extensions of the source? Yeah. So, so like, what are evil things then? Like are they... Um, it's, something, it's something that uh, exists in the universe as a sort of like a like a yin and a yang duality yeah it's a duality so the thing about the material universe is that in the spiritual world where the, the godhead deities live uh there, there's no conflict there's no wars there's no demons and money and guns and and all that stuff so you know sometimes krishna likes to come into the material world and uh, experience being here and being able to, you know, voice his opinion and kill demons and, you know, create justice and and be a part of the duality because it's something he can't do in the spiritual world. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, and then it says, uh, I'll continue reading on, it says, if the material world matrix could be broken down in mathematical formula and then through technological means be duplicated on a functioning level, humans could then mimic nature and produce the same effect, but process itself would be artificial and not carried out by nature, by the gods that control the forces of nature. This would be the cause for celebration and joyous reveling on the part of scientists and mathematicians who made it happen. Such event would be have to happen from in isolation from the public who could neither understand the scientific aspect nor the reasons or intentions behind it. Even if the public were given the details of everything behind it, they would probably not believe it. Once technology of this high caliber is achieved, it becomes the point of no return. It's unlikely that Nikola Tesla wanted such a paradox of this nature to happen, but at the same time, 
this must have been aware of the possibility that could probably and would happen. What is being suggested here is that looking directly at the events of phenomenal occurrence behind the events is not what we should be focusing on, but towards something completely different, focusing on the one-dimensional way we think and understand phenomena of all kinds. Did you want to kind of break that down? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, you know, energetic subjects and spiritual subjects that we're trying to understand with linear thinking, but linear thinking can't comprehend the these energetic subjects yeah yeah because if you think about it like we say like time isn't linear so and we we only know how to perceive um our reality i'm just using this as an example we only know how to receive perceive our reality from a linear time perspective because it's all that we experience but if time were not linear we wouldn't really know how to perceive it because we're not used to that we would have yeah. all like future and past events happening all at once so the brain wouldn't know how to funnel it out does that make sense or no oh yeah yeah that makes sense you know in linear thinking there's, there's all these definitions you know everything has a a name or a word or a definition and then uh you know if somebody doesn't think exactly like we do uh you know we get into a fist fight or you know we uh we shoot them or kill them and then we wound up fighting all these wars because we we define everything yeah um I'll, I'll continue reading on here we're almost done it says uh in certain sense massive events on an energetic level would then be classified as phenomena it is not something most people think about on a daily basis but big phenomenal events do sort of force us to think outside the box once you surrender to the fact that you are completely helpless to control external events you may not be able to comprehend the vastness of the phenomena but you would be in a certain sense in integrating the inconceivable into your overall awareness with the recent addition of cell phones that have cameras in them thousands of unexplainable phenomena are being filmed and examined i have a personal interest in this due to some observations in regards to time travel once in a while, you hear a story about someone who returns to the present from a future in order to tweak an event, which is called a future time quake. All right, before I keep reading on, what's a future time quake? Okay, a, a time quake in the future is uh, like an event happens here, and then like 20 or 30 years in the future, it, as a result of that one event, uh, the future timeline time collapses. Be, okay okay because there's multiple timelines with multiple possibilities right right okay but so what they do is they they send the person back in time to prevent that event from happening so that in the future that that timeline doesn't collapse but what are they using to send them back in time you mean like through the chronovisor or from the um from the um uh the looking glass technology, or what do you think? Uh, it depends what year they send them back. Okay. Like, do we have any, like, um, uh, evidence of this, or what do you think? Um, I, I thought the stuff that uh, Sean was talking about when we interviewed him was was pretty interesting because he, he seemed to have some, some pretty detailed uh, perspectives on it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I might, I might have to have him back on again. I did have him on recently, but we didn't talk about time travel. We talked about UFOs, but um, that that might be a good show to do. I never thought, I just thought of that. But I'll, I'll keep reading. It says, I began to notice more and more stories like this one and realize it's not just from one person from one timeline returning to the future from the future, but numerous time travelers from numerous timelines coming back. Then I started to ponder and question the possibility of an infinite number of time travelers returning from an infinite number of timelines to prevent future time quakes. This was one of the reasons why I now think that the material matrix universe is just pulsing and flickering at a million times a second, like a strobe light. And we can't see it because our thinking process is extremely slow and linear and one dimensional. What you're probably more concerned about is what time you have to be somewhere and where you put your car keys. And, uh, and that ends there. So did you want to uh, finish up with that or what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, um, you know, a lot of the stuff that we talk about is kind of like on a high level of thinking. And, uh, you know, you can absorb some of it, and, and some people absorb more of it than others. But, uh, you know, if if you get too too much into, like, thinking about all of these, these high-level subjects of thinking, uh, what happens is your, your consciousness sort of, like, you know, goes out into orbit, and then you're out there uh, in the stratosphere, and it's very difficult for you to come back down and get your feet on the ground and sort of come back to reality. But one, but I, I mean, I think like once you start thinking about these higher end subjects, like you really start to question reality, and like, and then you realize reality isn't what we thought it was, though, right? Yeah, what I'm saying is. Uh, you know, these these subjects we're talking about are really fascinating. And then uh, you know, if it starts turning into to an obsession, uh you sort of you sort of lo lose your your sense of being grounded in, in everyday reality. Yeah. That's interesting. Um um I, I don't I don't really have any comments on that. Did you have anything else you wanted to cover before we finish up for tonight? Uh, I, I just want to reiterate on the, uh, the Giza pyramids uh, in that, uh, you know, I, I think there is a possibility that the 27 artifacts could be found or maybe still be out there and that the, the Giza pyramid could possibly be reactivated. But I also think that, that the population in general would have to become more spiritually minded for that to happen. And, you know, at present, something like that just isn't going to happen. Yeah. Maybe a hundred years or a couple hundred years, maybe, but not right now. Yeah, that's, in, that's interesting. Well, that's a good way to um, finish up for today. Well, thanks, Jim. This has been amazing. And can you tell everybody where to find you and uh, if they want to get a reading from you or um, or how to get your book or anything like that? Yeah, if you could post my uh, Facebook link, they can get in touch with me there. Okay. And uh, I'll, I'll post the link for your new book too. And uh, yeah, and I'll probably post this either tomorrow or the next day. And uh, yeah, and um, and uh, yeah, thanks, Jim. It was nice talking to you again. And, and until next time. All right, thanks. All right, thanks, Jim. Bye.